Hello and welcome my partners in crime. How lovely to see you all again. Now listen, today's case is an unsolved case. Um, I wrote this case and researched this case before I took time off. Um, and then I got a message from um, a lady called Wendy. So hello, Wendy. And she reminded me of this case. And this case is Lee Boxall case. And um, so I'd already wrote it and I think that I had put up that I was going to do them. So I'm going to start now doing the sort of backlog of cases. So I want to give you a bit of an overview of this case because it is an old case, it's a 1988 case and um, the young lad was only 15 when he disappeared um, and to tell the truth there's been no sight or hair of him since his disappearance. So anyway, Lee um, Darren Boxall was born on the 16th of February 1973. He was a British school schoolboy who disappeared from London Borough of Sutton in England on the 10th September 1988 and he was aged 15 at the time. He was last seen in Sutton Hill Street before um, saying he might go and watch a football match at Solhurst Park in Croydon. Now at this time of his disappearance he was described as being about 5 foot 7, 170 centimetres tall, slim build, light brown hair, good looking lad really to tell the truth. He was wearing black jeans, white um, like Flintstone t-shirt and brown suede shoes. Now despite a police's massive really investigation into this um, boy's disappearance plus numerous numerous appeals for public to help there has been no further sightings of Lee since that day he disappeared. None. He's literally just gone. Uh, his parents Peter and Christina have kept his bedroom till this day exactly the same. So that was an overview of the case. Now let's go into this very, very sad, unsolved case. Okay, so on the morning, and it was a Saturday morning, on the 10th September 1988, Lee left his home um, in southern uh, Greater London, I think Chelms, uh, to meet a friend about 11 o'clock, 11 a.m in nearby Sutton, all right? So I've got the train or the bus or whatever he's got to nearby Sutton. Um, Lee then um, spent a few hours with his mates and his friends. They'd done a bit of window shopping and then they sort of parted company at about 1 p.m. When Lee um, was sort of parting company of his mate, he was leaving just before he left, he said he might go to this um, Selhurst Park this football stadium to watch the match between Trelton Athletic FC and Millwall FC. So this may job, because I know we have lots of football fans in the in England, this was 1990 at uh, 1988, and this was a match between them too. So if this part of it jogs your memory for any reason at all, then um, you should still um, get in touch and, and let people know what you may have some insight into what's gone on. But a football match, um, it's a really good indication it can job memories you see so that's why I wanted to really highlight that point but that's where he said he went now I don't know if actually he got there all right so listen there was a pills wasn't there on crime watching everything out about this boy you know people were looking for this boy there was uh, Sil, um, Silhurst Park um, and other football stadiums also you know they tried everything to get people to come forward but no one really could confirm 
um, any sightings of Lee at that stadium at that time. They, they just couldn't. So but he may not have even made it there, okay? He may not, he may have thought he was going to go there and something's happened between him leaving his friend and going there. Now there was a witness that had come forward. Now, you know, when, when we, people like to try and help, so we don't know if this witness had come forward to say that she saw Lee at 2.20 p.m. still in Sutton, right? Because don't forget he left his friend at one o'clock, said he was going to a football match, there was no sighting of him at that football match or at that stadium in that area at all. So we did have a sighting, or someone did think they'd saw Lee at 2.20 p.m. in Sutton High Street. Now, it used to be, I think, outside Tesco's in them days, it's now Asda's, or it was then, it could have probably changed again now since then, but it was as it was now Asda's. And that was about 2.20. But, um, so if you sort of take that into account, you think, okay, why did Lee say he was going to go to the football match, leave his friend at one, and stay in Sutton till 2.20? Was he meeting somebody else? That's the question. Was he meeting somebody else? Or did he just think, oh, I can't be bothered to go to the football match, and this person that sighted him at 2.20, you know, um, um, he was just basically chopping and on his way home and disappeared. We just don't know. But the kickoff, you see the football was at 3 p.m. So if he was still in Sutton at 2 p.m. or 2.20 p.m., he had no intention of going to that football match. Right, so he had no intention of that. So we can sort of, even though I want people to still think about this football match and everything, and as I put these pictures up, if you recognize anything about Lee, but this boy literally has just disappeared. All right, so it's unlikely, I think, that he probably went to the stadium or even tried to go to the stadium, but it's more likely that he stayed in Sutton probably to meet somebody else or met somebody else by chance, and that's what kept him in that area of that time. That was actually the life, if it was the sighting of Lee at 2.20pm in Sutton on that day, that was the last sighting of, of Lee until this day. Okay, now this is where this case becomes interesting. Not just because it's an unsolved crime, but because we deal with a lot of cases of children, all right, going missing and things like this. And usually there's some sinister things behind this lad's disappearance, all right? I believe this. In 2012, a further witness stated that Lee attended an unofficial youth club in the annex of the Dunstan Church uh, in Chelm, known as The Shed. Unofficial, right? This is unofficial youth club. These days, you wouldn't be allowed to get away with that because we have things, you know, like you have to, you know, <laughs> be checked out. But we're talking about 1988 and before this shed was running for quite a long time this unofficial youth club now that's a worry in itself anyway so following this extensive inquiry the police found out that paedophiles were operating in the area at the time of Lee's disappearance William Lambert 
the St Dunstan's Church graveyard digger who ran the shed was jailed for 11 years in 2011 when he was aged 75 for sexually abuse of four, for sexually abusing four girls who attended this unofficial youth club. Do you see where I'm going with this? Between June and September 2012, the police excavated part of St Dunstan's Church graveyard. Uh, I think, I think, and this resumed again in April 2013. Now in 2013, this coincided with what would have been Lee's 40th birthday. Now Crime Watch again did a little thing on this and they further added another appeal for information as we are doing now for further information because someone may know something. Now following this appeal it was also alleged there was allegations of sexual abuse never before reported to the police which are now a working theory that Lee may have died after intervening to try to stop sexual abuse in this unofficial youth club. Uh, now, <laughs> we're going to sort of go into these links a little bit more because there's issues here, right? You have now an unofficial youth club being run by paedophiles, you know, in 1988. So there ain't no police checks being done here, right? There's no sex offenders register that these people are on at that time or it was coming in at that time. There isn't any of that. You have a church that thinks it wants to help its people in the church have done to do with this. This was a grave digger, okay? This was a grave digger and his friends. Then we had other gangs of paedophile gangs going around this area of London at that time. Quite a lot. And they all knew each other, as they still do today. They all knew each other. Now no one wants to get caught here, do they? Really? Anyway, let's get on with this uh, case. Now in 2008, Scotland Yard spokesman confirmed that a cold case detective, and we do love a cold case detective, has interviewed potential witnesses and new information is being investigated that could lead to Lee's body, right, or his remains being found. In 2019, Lee featured again in Missing Person campaign promoted by Italian football club S.A. Roma, right? Or A.S., sorry, A.S. Roma. Uh, now, um, <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the paedophile, really, William Lambert now. Let's go, let's just go back, leave Lee's case at that. Let's go back to um, William Lambert, who was 75 from Sutton, who carried out a series of attacks between 1985, what they know of, and 1987, while he was working as a grave digger at this Dunstan church, right? Let's look at him. Now, this paedophile, who presumed, or persuaded, sorry, his victims, that he had magic powers. Now, that's what his ruse was to get these kids to have sex with him. If they had sex with him, right, they would then get his magic powers. We are talking about children here. We're talking about children. This is what was going on, or part of what was going on, in this unofficial 
you know, <laughs> youth club. This is what was going on in 1988. Now these were four girls, I think, that he was um, charged and prosecuted for. Now, Croydon Crown Court heard, sorry, that he that Lambert used his shed ground for this official youth club and preyed on vulnerable girls. Now listen, in 1988, a lot of youth clubs were up and running and, and still even today for kids that are um, that need assistance all right they may not have a lot going on at home they may be in trouble this sort of different thing and these youth clubs and we have a lot of youth workers there that are amazing people that really help build the confidence of these kids it gives them somewhere to go you know and stuff like this we actually have places now called sheds you know or the man shed for people with mental health to go and use woodwork skills and different things like this. So this was 1988, this is not now, right? But in 1988, these were vulnerable children going to this unofficial youth club and being abused. And I think the girls were between 11 and 14. Now, when you think of a 14 year old and we think of a 14 year old today in 2021, where they're a lot more streetwise, I think, a lot of these kids than they were in 1988. Don't forget the internet wasn't around, we didn't have mobile phones, you couldn't be ringing up people, you know, we didn't know that all this was going on. So you have this man telling them he's got these magical bloody powers and if he's, you know, if they sleep with him, um, then they can have their magical powers. And these people, or these children, were so vulnerable that they believed him and he abused them. Now, it was one of them girls, I think, in 2009, she was in her 30s then, that came forward. And um, it was during a counselling session, um, I think, for a lot of her issues, but including this, 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 you know, the issues that this man left her with. And um, then officers from the Metropolitan Police were subsequently able then to track down other victims and that's how then he was arrested. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's terrible really because we now know that if Lee knew this was going on because this lad was a lad that would have helped, he would have tried to help, he come from a good family you know, he was a very nice looking lad and, you know, you're talking about paedophile rings here now, right? So you may have had this Lambert that was uh, into girls, but you may have other paedophiles that may have been into boys. Um, and the other thing is, is probably what um, may have happened to Lee is that if he did try and intervene or stop something, that um, they murdered him. And I think that's probably the case here. And, you know, we're getting into graves and, and stuff when, you know, when you have um, burying bodies in graves and stuff. Grave diggers today, and we, as we go into it, I think we'll save that for a bit later, that, that part, because there are rules with digging graves and there are rules as how long they can be left open, this, that and the other. But in 1988, I don't know if they were enforced. And when you're talking about this, this boy may have been taken by a paedophile ring um, and murdered and placed in a, a grave. It could have been anywhere. Alison Lambert was questioned, I think, um, over, I think it was about 24 years later after, you know, um, the um, Lee had disappeared, he was questioned over it. 
And to tell you the truth, I don't know, you know, and it was even alleged that he would, uh, he could have murdered, um, or been part of, of who murdered Lee. Um, but because he didn't, he wouldn't give anything up. And we've had this of other paedophiles that we've had. They're only going to give you what you've got on him. You know, you have to fight and work for, um, um, you know, other evidence for them. Now, in 1988 and even in, you know, 2009 and everything else, it was, it's difficult, isn't it, when you can't find a body, right? You can't find a body. So they know now that he's dead. They, they knew he was dead probably very good, you know. But if you can't find a body, you know this man has been charged with paedophilia, offences against children and everything else. Um, and you probably know that he is part of this disappearance of this boy. But the, to, to have proof, to have evidence of that, it's very, very difficult. And a lot of these paedophiles, well, most paedophiles, will not name their accomplices at all. At all. They won't. Now, there was three men, I think 26 years after Lee vanished, probably part of some paedophile ring. Three men aged 41, 42 and 78. So I think we're looking at Lambert as one of them. Was also suspects in the conspiracy to prevent the course of justice and indecency with children along with a 42-year-old woman. Now, as I've said before, we do a lot of cases on here where we have women, paedophile women. It's not just a men thing and we are talking about if this woman was 42 um, you know, 26 years after Lee disappeared, then she was quite young herself. And I've said before that when paedophiles, you know, rings set up, they have a lot of kids either brought in to their circle or they're born into it. So, you know, she was a 42-year-old woman anyway. That was, um, and again, um, there's no evidence and none of these people are talking so um, that's then what's now left this case cold again isn't it so we've had little bits listen I don't it's very difficult to say precisely what happened to Lee right it is but we can all assume I think from what's sort of come out over the years about Lee okay so I think what evidence that the police found from these people they'd, you know, tried to find out if they'd murdered or had anything to do with Lee's disappearance. But what they'd done was these people had sort of said, and other people and other witnesses, as this police continued over the years to go through this disappearance, that Lee had been known to frequent this shed, right? Now, it turns out that this shed wasn't just for all the vulnerable kids. The vulnerable kids then talked to other kids and then you've got these teenagers that are a bit bored and think, oh, I'll pop down there because my mate goes down there and stuff. So they go down there. So now this shed becomes a lot larger in the people that were using it than first fault. Because Lee came from a very good home. Lee wasn't a vulnerable child. He had everything he needed. He had a great family and everything else. But he had friends that were vulnerable. And he had friends that went to this shed. And on occasion, it has been found out that Lee did frequent 
this shed. So this makes it more plausible now that Lee may have seen something had going on at this shed and tried to stop it or threatened to stop it. I think it's getting more plausible all the time, this. Now police even used radar. You know, I think they got it from um, the army radar, you know, ground penetrating radar to see um, the, some of the graves because look, you can't just go around digging up willy-nilly graves. But I think, you know, when you're a grave digger, now my dad was a grave digger, my dad was a grave digger for many, many years, in London actually, and elsewhere, but in London, not in this place, I'll tell you that now. But um, graves are dug quite deep. Now, if you buy a plot, that little plot, which is yours for a certain amount of time, you only buy that plot, right? And so you're gonna have one or two people in it. That's sort of how dug, because the graves have to have so much between each grave, right? So, or each coffin. So say you've got a two person grave being dug. Now in them days, it would have been done a lot. My dad used to dig it by hand. I used to call him the Irish Navy. But he used to dig by hand and he could dig a grave very, very quickly. They get, you know, they're, they're good at what they do. Now, the graves are quite deep. And I know about graveyards because I grew up around them. You know, when my dad was working, we'd often pop down in the graveyard and that graveyards are, for me, very peaceful places. But I think, now when I think back, about when he was digging graves and the depth of the graves and stuff and the distance that if he was going to dig it for a two you know coffin grave that it has to have so much between each coffin it isn't piled on one after another and the other thing is when you have ground penetrating radar if they put Lee's body underneath the first underneath the coffin and then put the coffin on top right it's you know would they still find him? I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would. And then you have the soil between that, then you have another coffin, right? Because, listen, if, this has been many, many years, since 1988, when this boy was, you know, went missing. If they had used a grave in this graveyard to do it, which I don't think they did use a graveyard in that graveyard. I don't think they did. I think they used it somewhere else because he would have known other grave um, diggers and stuff. It's very difficult to find a body. And you can't just go, you have to have, there's you know, laws and there's laws, not, you know, not on the burial, but on the digging up. It's about the depth you can go down to. They may have known that, but we'll go into that in a little bit longer, a little bit later on down there. But they did try and find um, by using radar and stuff, they did check graves because that's what they assume happens, happened to Lee, uh, is that is that's where his body was placed. Um, we don't know. We don't know. But in them days, it wouldn't be that difficult. Okay, so although there are laws, right, and or regulations, should I say, on where a grave can be dug, um, such as not being too close to the water supply or drains. I mean, you can understand that, really, can't we? Um, 
the legal requirement for the depth of it in the UK, a grave in the UK, is just recommended for a minimum of one metre um, of the settling soil above the grave to, to prevent disturbance, right? So you have to have one metre of it for settling soil. So if you're having then a grave that is dug for a double coffin, they would be a lot deeper than that because they have to leave that one metre. Now when a grave is purchased to take two full bodies, the depth of which the grave is excavated for the first burial must take into account the need for the second burial, the depth, and also this one metre at least depth to settle the soil. So we can, if you sort of look at that, you can sort of see, can't you, how deep some of these graves are. I think for the second coffin, um, there's no legal requirement as to how much earth must be left on top, right? But between them ones, there has to be a metre for that setting, or else it's just sinking. So, um, I think, so if you're going to say that you're going to bury a body, it's not, it's, you really can't because it's no physically possible to put an extra coffin in a grave without breaking the law. Do you see what I mean? I wouldn't have said that if someone was going to bury a body anyway through some criminal intent, um, that they would use a coffin. They would usually just put the body in the grave and they would usually put the body in first and then cover that part of the soul so when the coffin, the original coffin that's meant to go into that grave is then placed in that grave, um, it's not noticed. And I think this is what may have happened to Lee if this is the case of this paedophile ring um, had buried Lee to dispose of his body. That could be it. Now the Burial Act is an 1857 Act and the Act is of Parliament in the United Kingdom. It is one of the Burial Acts from 1852 to 1885 and its purpose was to regulate the burial grounds. Alright? So in this Act, or this statute as we call it in England, um, it regulates of how the deceased's body may be buried and it presides on how an exclamation of the uh, remains can be um, removed. So in certain cases and in cold cases, and we see a lot of this with cold cases, that they exhume the bodies, um, there's laws around that and that's why you can't just go and dig up a grave. And this is why it's very difficult for these police to go and search every grave because the law just doesn't, you can't just do that. This is sacred ground really. So the Act made it illegal to disturb a grave other than for official sanctioned um, exhumations. So you have to have a reason. You can't just think, oh, there might be a body there. You have to have proof, right? You have to have proof. You have to think that body that you're exhuming is going to have some DNA evidence on it, something that you need, right? Um, to, there must be a reason. Um, the Act did not make it illegal to steal a dead body. Now we heard years ago that people used to steal bodies or they used to dig up the graves, you know, to take the jewellery off and everything else. That's not what this is about. It is only, um, it's when you only open that grave up that constitutes an offence.
right? So not the removal of the body, it's the grave itself that constitutes an offence, not the removal of the contents. So they sort of covered it in that way. The law is very strange, it's never, never straightforward, right? It's never, never straightforward, especially very old laws like from 1852 and 1885 laws in this country. It hasn't really changed much, to tell you the truth. I think it's section 25 actually of the um, Burial Act 1857 that makes it unlawful in England and in Wales to disturb human burials without a licence um, from the Secretary of State or the ground consecrated by the rights of the Church of England without the permission of the Church. There's a lot here that goes on. Right now that was really about, because I think it's like a hundred year rule, isn't it? I think maybe a bit less. Because as we now, our population comes bigger and the graveyards as you've seen are, you know, getting smaller and everything. And um, churches are sold off. These graves really can't be removed until there's no person left, like a hundred years, that everyone who's related to that person has died and then can, um, so that grave or, you know, the, the, the reuse of that grave um, can be used again for other purposes after that. It's uh, about respect, I think, really. I think in Scotland the law is a bit different. I like to bring in all different laws. We're going to talk about the laws. The laws in Scotland are a little bit different. It's a Burial and Cremation Act and that was 2016. The powers of the coroner permit uh, exhumation um, falls outside the scope of the Burial Act of 1857. The Coroners and Justice Act 2009 allow them um, to authorise someone to dig up a body if they need to for the purposes of a post-mortem post in relation to a criminal proceedings. That's it. Now this 1857 Act has had amendments and in 2004, as I said, because of our population growth and everything else, um, the lack of space, um, this is how now, you know, the burial laws and the policies in the 21st century have changed a little bit from what they did then and so that's that's now how we can sell on and do things to graveyards that we couldn't do before but as I said there has been a long period of time that um, constitute there's a lot in it so if you're interested in that they're the sort of laws that you can look at if you're more interested in the laws around the burials but when we talk about Lee Box, um, Boxall's case we have to think these people were not law-abiding citizens were they these people didn't do anything. You know, if you are sexually abusing children and and stuff, and you are paedophiles and you run paedophile rings and, and stuff like that, um, burial laws are not going to be your consideration, are they? You know, you're, they think they're above the law. They think they can do what they want. And if you want to dispose of a body, the last thing you're going to think about is the law. But what you will think about is the debt for that grave and if that body is going to be discovered. That's the things that a criminal would think about. Now, as I said to you, this is sort of an overview, I think, of Lee's case. Because we just don't know. Listen, you had Jimmy Savile around this time running um, or being part of a paedophile ring, quite a large one. 
you had the um, gangs that I've spoke about before in other cases that were running around at this time as well and Sidney Cook um, is one of the most notorious um, child sex offenders I think going. We also know that he likes to bury bodies, he likes to dispose of them and some of the bodies that he's disposed of has never been found to this day. Was he part of this shed? We don't know. Um, but there is links around that area to quite a lot of paedophiles going on uh, and, and rings going on at that time. What I think happened to Lee and why we haven't found them, found any sign of him at all or any evidence of him is that Lee stumbled upon something. Maybe he was going to say uh, and report maybe the abuse to these children that was going on. He was a very nice lad and um, I think he would have wanted to do the right thing. Maybe one of the people said don't say anything, you know, don't tell your dad, don't tell your mum. So Lee fought him because he was five foot seven, um, even though he was young, he was only young, he probably thought he could handle himself with an old man, you know, but I don't think he realised what he was really getting into when you're dealing with these sort of perpetrators. Um, I don't believe that we're ever going to find out what happened to Lee. I think we can only assume, and this is all assumptions on what we know of the disappearance of Lee, but when you um, disappear without a sight, with no, nothing, nothing, You've never been seen or heard of again since the day on the 10th of September 1988. This boy was most likely killed on that day and is buried somewhere. Now, if Sidney Cook or any of these other gangs or even gangs like him had anything to do with the disappearance of Lee, it is probably highly unlikely that we would ever find this boy's body. And it would only be by accident if someone does. So listen, if you found this case interesting, please, you know, give it a thumbs up, a like button. You can subscribe anytime you want. You can hit that, you know, bell that tells you about next case, all the cases coming out and keeps you up to date. This case will be on uh, the podcast, Let's Have a Chat About Murder on Spotify. Um, I'm going to do, because I've just started like doing little highlights of the cases on um, Facebook so you can see what's sort of coming up. Rather than just the pictures, I'm going to use a bit of the clips of this case. Listen, this case is an old case, right? But you never know. Someone out there may have a conscience now. It wouldn't be one of the paedophile ring people, the main ones. But it may be someone that was linked to that paedophile ring unwillingly that comes forward with some evidence. Listen, this is a cold case. This is a very, very old case. But this boy deserves to be found. This boy's family deserve answers either way. So if you have any information on what happened to Lee or any information on what you think may have happened to Lee. Please contact your local police um, and tell them. 
Tell them what you think, what you know, or what you think you may know. Any bit of information to help with the disappearance of Lee would be greatly appreciated. So thank you for watching. So until the next time, bye-bye.